Welcome to the Brevard Christian Church Podcast. We hope to encourage you with sermons, stories, and interviews that will challenge you to grow in your faith. Enjoy. Uh, it's good to gather with everyone today. I want to share a couple of things, a couple of exciting things. Uh, uh, first one is a reminder that this Saturday, got an outdoor movie. I believe we might have the biggest outdoor screen in Central Brevard County. I mean, the thing is a monstrosity. Yeah, for screens. Yeah. And Jesus. But screens. Yeah, anyway, we got it. We got we got a big one out there, and so it's a privilege to be able to put that on. We got uh, uh, snacks, drinks, candy, stuff like that. The cafe will be open with, uh, with meals if you want to buy them too. So great time to bring a, bring a friend, friend's family, that, that sort of a thing. It's a wonderful event for that. So put the word out. Little flyers like this are scattered about. Grab yourself one, and remember this weekend, starting 645, and then the movie will start rolling at 7. So it's going to be great. I also want to tell you something that kind of caught me by surprise a bit in a good way. We recently have made a connection with the, uh, uh, a missionary from China, and I love saying his name. His name is Wing Wong, and he is from Hong Kong, and he introduces himself as Wing Wong from Hong Kong, and how can you not enjoy that? So he works with the church in China, a lot of the underground church, and uh, he's, been, he's been doing it for a long time. So we asked him, hey, what, what needs are there? And he said, well, coming up, you know, there's a, uh, a need actually coming up around Christmas time uh, in just a few weeks. Uh, if we can get around $4,000 or so, he can make a number of connections with the underground church in China. And he had some plans to do that. And so I was kind of thinking, two, three weeks, that's not really enough time to properly do anything. But we threw it out there anyway, and $3,121 were given by you guys. So thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, so neat to be able to support. And just that last song that we sang, you know, I'm wondering how many of those connections were going to, oh, that's what I gave to. Yes, you, you got, you know. Um, I'm so excited about that. So that's really great. We're going to be in Romans, the 15th chapter. It's going to take me a little while to get there. I'd invite you to turn there in your Bible. So back in my BC days, that's before children, BC days, right? Long time ago. My wife and I had our first house, and that was in Cocoa. And we had this tiny little dog. We named him Goliath. Goliath was our tiny little dog. And we didn't have Goliath long, only a few weeks probably, because Goliath had a problem. He leaked. This dog would get excited and pee all the time. And we just, you know, we, knew, we, we didn't know what to do. Like, it, was, it would drive me nuts. I remember one day I... I, uh, you know, you're learning how to fix up your house. It's your first house, you know, so I had done carpet and all that on a budget. And I came home and I went in the closet and I stepped in slosh. I'm like, Goliath, you I was, I was not happy. I was not happy. So I went to step over it and then I went slosh, slosh. And then all of a sudden, some common sense hit me. Like, wait a minute, this is a tiny little dog and uh, this isn't adding up right. So I kept following the slosh until I came to a wall. It's the wall where my shower was on the other side of the wall. And I put my ear on that wall, and I heard a faint little You know what that sound is, don't you? Yeah, water leak. Water leak in the shower. But I didn't see the leak there. I saw it over here. I was about ready to beat that dog. Not really, but you know what I mean? I was about ready to blame the dog, and then I realized, oh, no, it wasn't the dog. Water flows where it wants to flow, right? Um, in that same house, I also had the privilege of getting my first $600 water bill. 
that's great, isn't it? Like, ah, what is this? Like, we filled up three swimming pools that I didn't know about? What's going on here? Well, I think what ended up happening when we weren't there, somehow the toilet flap was just flapped open. And it's amazing, right? Thousands and thousands and thousands of gallons of water. Never saw a bit of it. Why? Because water flows where it wants to flow. And if there's an access, if there's a way it's going to go, that's where it flows. Now, a lot of you guys, you've seen the new roof here, right? We didn't used to have that. We used to have an older roof, and that roof started to leak. How do you know it leaked? Well, because it's dripping inside, right? But naively, there was a time in my life where I thought, oh, it's dripping right here. I guess the roof's leaking right there. Now, what will a good roofer tell you? Is the leak right there where it's dripping inside? Probably not. It's probably way over there, making its way right, right? Majority of our leaks, even though we were dripping you know, inside various places, a lot of the leaks came right off the center. You wouldn't have known, though, because the water runs and flows where it wants to flow, right? This is just a thing about water. It has its path, and sometimes it can be very, very hard to diagnose ahead of time. It can be very hard to know, where's this thing going, and why can't I stop it? Oh, it's hard to stop. That makes me think of the gospel. Do you realize the gospel is a lot like water? It flows. It flows. A lot of times we make the mistake of thinking like, oh, no, I got to do my part or else the gospel just won't spread. And that's true. We have to do our part. But don't you mistakenly think that, therefore, I'm the only one that can do this. Oh, no, no, no. The gospel flows. Some will try to resist it. Some will ignore it. But it will have its impact. So we, we, we see this. We see this happen. If you go to Paul's life, this is a picture of a man, a sculpture of a man named Nero. Roman emperor, as far as we know, he is the one responsible for killing the Apostle Paul, getting his head cut off. Okay, we're getting close to AD 70 here. The Apostle Paul is dead. He's kind of the big cheerleader for Christianity, right? He's kind of the big ringleader for the gospel. He's the main missionary guy. Now that he is dead, surely the faith will die out, right? Did it die out? Did the gospel stop? I would say not, because we're all still here. But did you realize it wasn't just the early emperors Every, almost, not all, I guess, but every single most, <laughs> I should say that better, most of the emperors for the first 250 years of the church tried to kill it, tried to kill it. I mean, Diocletian unleashed a massive persecution against the church, and this would be some 250 years after the church had started. Now, you think about that. How old is America right now? I mean, since the signing of the Declaration of Independence, right? Aren't we close? 250 years is a long time. I would think that if you're trying to work on a job in 250 years, you should be able to get it done. And yet when it came to the gospel, when it came to destroying this faith, they couldn't do it. The most powerful people in the world who tried time after time after time failed to do it. So it culminates with Diocletian, right, 250 years later. And the next major player, the next major Roman emperor is a guy named Constantine. What do we know about Constantine? Constantine has some sort of a vision where he sees a cross and he has, he claims this is some sort of a conversion experience. And now he wants to be some sort of a Christian. And he asks for scripture. He wants a copy of the Bible. So did they say to him, oh no, well we, we, we've banned that so, so, so long. For hundreds of years we banned that. We got rid of every copy. There's none left. No, you know what happened? 50 of them were produced right off the bat paid for by the government, 
But 50 copies of Scripture, somehow, some way, the gospel had not been stopped because the gospel flows. It continues to flow. And it wasn't just then. I mean, you keep following history. There's no good reason except for God. There's no good reason why this thing should have continued. A few hundred years later, about 300 years later, Islam came to power in the Middle East. They dominated the area where Christianity was birthed. They dominated it for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And what was their rule? Their rule was destroy all books that are not the Quran. Destroy all other holy books. So that would mean the Bible. Get rid of all of them, right? So does history tell us? Does archaeology tell us that they succeeded, that they got rid of? I mean, they owned all the areas, so they should have gotten rid of all copies of Scripture. And yet, no, history shows they missed thousands of them. We don't have printing presses. We don't have printers. We don't have mass production. We have people who only some of them know how to write. Only some, we don't have easy paper either, right? And somehow thousands of copies have made their way to us anyway, even though they tried to stop it. Why? Because the gospel flows where it wants to flow. You can't stop it. As a matter of fact, I find it fascinating that God today is still reaching a lot of people in Islam. Even the ones that are isolated, even the ones that are far out there. Did you realize a lot of them are having dreams about Jesus? That's a thing. It's a rather common thing. It's fascinating. So, so my family and I, we got to go to the missionary convention a few weeks ago. Really, really neat. Uh, you get to hear from missionaries all throughout the world. They kind of come in and they pick a big city. This is Oklahoma City. Um, next year it'll be in Kentucky. And really fun. I, I encourage you to go sometime. And you get to hear from people on the front lines in different areas. Well, there was an older guy that spoke. His name was George. At least that's what he called himself. I was suspicious. Like, do you have another name that I can't pronounce right? But he called himself George. He was an older guy, clearly knew the Middle East, clearly was engaged with witnessing to Muslims and stuff, right? And he said that it is so common now for, for Muslims in particular and people in the Middle East to have had some sort of a dream about Jesus that he brings it up all the time. He has no problem asking them because it's, it's, it's commonplace and they're not typically offended by it. So he met a man that I believe, and I didn't get the whole, all the details of this story, but he met a guy who was apparently Middle Eastern and he talked to him and so he said, hey, are you a Christian? George asked this Middle Eastern man, are you a Christian? I think once you get to a certain age, you feel free to ask whatever you want without, you know, any consequences. And that's kind of where George was. He's just, he's just throwing it out there, right? Are you a Christian? The man said, no, I'm not a Christian. I'm a Muslim. And then George's follow-up question, oh, you're a Muslim. Have you ever dreamed about Jesus? <laughs> and the man said, no, I have not dreamed about Jesus. But I did have a strange dream the other day. <laughs> and George is like, all right. Let's hear it. Let's hear your strange dream. Well, the man said that he was standing on one side of a great river, a great river, deep river. And there was a man dressed in white on the other side. And that man called out to him, but he called out to him in his native tongue. So that would have perked him up, right? He got his attention. My own native language, this man in white calls out to me and says, come to me, come to the other side. And so I, in my dream, responded, I can't come to the other side. The water's too deep. And the man in, in white that, that yelled at me said, walk on the water. And so I, in my dream, started walking on the water until I made it about halfway across. And then I started to sink and I cried out for help. And the man floated across the water, floated across, reached out and pulled me out of the water. 
And so George is like, can I show you a scripture in the Bible? You see, over and over and over again, God is, the I should say it this way, the gospel's going to flow. Whether you get on board with it, I hope we get on board with it, I really do, but whether you do or not, the gospel is going to flow where it needs to flow. And that's the question I want to ask today is how do you and I go with that flow? How do you and I join this awesome flow rather than not being a part of it? How do we as Christians go with the flow? Think about that as we go to Romans, the 15th chapter. I want to read quickly, quickly through the first 13 verses. Oh, but before I do that, I'm going to show you a picture. This guy's name is Voltaire. At least that's the way he's known. He's a French skeptic in the mid-1700s. You know what he said? He said, within a century, the Bible will be forgotten. You know why he said the Bible will be forgotten? Because we're finally enlightened. We're finally smart. We finally hit intellectual society. We finally understand, and we don't need ancient superstitious stuff like the Bible, like religion. We don't need that stuff anymore. We needed it back then. We don't need it anymore. So his prediction, within a century, the Bible will be forgotten. And what happened in less than a century? He died. His house, I guess, went up for auction and was purchased by the Geneva Bible Society. And they moved printing presses in his house and mass-produced copies of Scripture, right? That's what they did, because the gospel continues to flow. How do you and I go with that flow? Romans 15. Paul writes, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. As it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we may have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then. Just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. And moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, he's just quoting these Old Testament scriptures. Again, it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, verse 11, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, non-Jewish people, Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with the hope, with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you catch, I mean, there's a lot in those verses, but did you catch the flow of the gospel? Did you catch the flow of the gospel? It's like that leaky roof, right? Just because it's there doesn't mean that's where it began. No, no, no. There's a flow to this thing, right? How does it look? What is this flow like? Well, the gospel began obviously with Jesus, right? The gospel is all about Jesus, his coming, right? But Jesus came and offered himself. 
But did he only come to Jews? <laughs> a lot of people thought so. A lot of people thought, oh yeah, this is the gospel that Jesus brought for us Jews to save us. But clearly that was not the intention. I mean, look at all the verses we read. Look at all the Old Testament references that Paul just pulled out. The gospel was never intended to be an exclusively Jewish thing. We got Old Testament scriptures proving the gospel was meant for Gentiles. That means everybody, everyone, even if you're not physically Jewish, the gospel is for you. So what do we have? Jesus chooses the 12, right? He chooses the, the, the he sends many, right? But there's the special, the 12 apostles, and they primarily preach to the Jewish nation, but do they exclusively preach there? Well, no. Even later on, we read about this in the book of Galatians, God chooses, Jesus chooses a man named Saul, later changed to Paul. Paul is trained by Jesus again for three years. So we have the 12, spend three years with Jesus, trained to be sent. And then later on, we have Paul trained by Jesus, one-on-one, -on -one, three years in the desert of Arabia. Read this in Galatians. And he is sent primarily to reach the Gentiles. Now, you think about all this. This is actually hilarious. This is actually really, really funny. You look at the people that God picked, okay? What do we know about Jewish culture? Well, Jews... Jews, a lot of them really love their law. They really love their Old Testament scriptures. The Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, many of the Jews had that memorized. That's a lot. Have you even tried? We struggle to read through it. Many of them memorized it. That's how intellectual a lot of the society was. That's how serious they were about their scriptures. So, man, we got some, some law experts. We got some intellectuals. How are we going to reach them? Oh, I know. Let's choose some fishermen. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's choose some Galileans. Let's choose some people that the Bible says in the book of Acts they were unskilled, ordinary men. Let's choose them to go to the intellectuals. And did they? Yes, they did. Oh, but we got Gentiles later on too. Oh, Gentiles. What do we know about Gentiles? You know another word for Gentile? A word that they used was barbarian. Yeah, you and I, those non-Jewish people, barbarians. They're the idiots that worship wood and stone and stars. and, 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 and We're just so dumb. That was, that was the thought, right? So who's going who's gonna to reach the dumb people? We got to care about them too. Oh, I know. Let's choose an intellectual prodigy. Let's choose a young man who's trained under the greatest scholarship we have in our day. The greatest rabbis, the man that later became Paul, right? Saul. Let's choose him and have him go to the dumb people and send them all around the world. You see what God did? You see what Jesus did? He took the dumb people to reach the smart, and then he took the smart guy to reach the dumb people. Why would you do that? I think I know why. I think I know why he's doing that. He's proven a point. The gospel doesn't really need you. It's way more powerful than you. You need it. You need to go with it. You need to go with this flow because it's not stopping, but it's better for you to be with it. How? How do you go with the gospel flow? That's how. Put others first. But Seth, the Bible is a lot bigger than that. <laughs> Isn't there a whole lot more in the Bible than just 
putting others first. Well, yeah, the Bible is a big book. So how, how can you say, how can you make the claim that you just need to put others first? You guys know what this is, right? And uh, apologies to the camera. I might be walking away from it, all right? No offense to you people offline. But over here, we have a baptistry. Baptistry is filled with water, right? Not holy water. It's just water, water, right? Because God's holy, not the water, okay? Now, we have, a, we have a guy named Fred who's been for years so, so wonderful at making sure that that thing is ready to go. We are so, so grateful for him, all right? But there have been times in the past where you got to drain it and you got to clean it, right? And then you got to refill it again. Well, you'll notice, I don't know if you can see it from where you are or not, there's a little spigot up there in the corner where we fill the baptistry. Now, suppose Fred came in and the baptistry was drained and needed to be filled and Fred was going to fill it. And I, and I came over to Fred and said, uh, Fred, you're not filling the baptistry right. And he looked at me and said, what do you mean? I, I've got the water on. Yeah, yeah, but Fred, Fred, bless your heart, Fred. I, I, I don't want water right here. I want the water everywhere in the baptistry. I don't want the water in just that one spot on the stairs. I don't want the stairs only getting wet. I want the whole thing getting wet. So can you take that little spigot and can you kind of spread it all over the baptistry for me? Just water this, water this, water this, water this, water this, because I want it full of water. Can you see how Fred might look at me like, uh, Seth, are you okay? You all right, buddy? <laughs> having a hard time? You having a breakdown? Why? Why? Because it's water. It's water. If you start putting it anywhere in that giant thing, it's going to flow everywhere and it's going to fill it up, right? You don't have to take the water yourself and spread it everywhere. You just got to get it in there, right? Get it anywhere in there and it will fill in itself. Does that make sense? Now let's use a biblical analogy, all right? A scripture that I know a lot of you know. I know a lot of you know this because Jesus said it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 and then verse 33. Jesus in his famous Sermon on the Mount says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? But seek first, that's two verses later, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So is Jesus telling us as Christians, we are never, ever to think about what we're going to eat. We should never, ever think about what we should wear. Oh, that'd be easy for me, but for some ladies, that'd be hard, right? We should never, ever think about what we're going to drink. That should just never be a thought. Is that what he's teaching? No, that's not what he's teaching. What is he teaching? He's saying you get the main thing first. You focus on God's kingdom. You focus on Jesus' righteousness, what he wants first. And if you do that... This other stuff, it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. That doesn't need your main focus. Your main focus should be here. Guys, I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you as Christians, there is a lot that God wants from us. There is a lot. I've tried to compile. I'll, try, I'll leave this QR code up during communion time if I remember, right? So you can scan it. I have tried to distill it down to maybe an hour's worth all right, of lessons of the things that I think God wants his people to do. Yes, there's a lot. Yes, there's all sorts of things that we as Christians need to be doing. But I'm here to tell you, if we would just get this part down, I believe the rest of it's going to work out. I believe the rest of it will naturally flow. Why? Because the gospel flows. How do you go with the flow? That's how. And so today I count it a privilege to celebrate the gospel with each of you.
And I'm calling this the gospel in a cup. Because that's what we do each week. We come to these tables that are around the auditorium. There's one up there in the balcony. And we pull out this cup. On one side, there's a piece of bread. And inside the cup, there's juice. Why? It's a picture of the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's what provides life and forgiveness for all of us. The bread reminds us of the body of Christ that was broken and the cup with the juice in it reminds us of the blood that he poured out that is a new covenant. It's a new contract. It's an agreement that saves anyone who enters it. Anyone baptized into Christ. That's what we celebrate. It's the flow of the gospel. Would you take a few moments to pray and to reflect? And after you've done that, Come to one of the tables and take the Lord's Supper. I don't know if maybe you were expecting a little bit more, because it's easy to say more, but sometimes when you start saying more, you start forgetting what was previously said, which is the main thing. And I don't want you to leave here today without remembering the main thing, because the rest is going to flow if you do it right. So today I've chosen to leave you with an object lesson that you might find a little goofy. This is a balloon, but it's supposed to represent a person. Can you see I attempted to draw a little smiley face on the balloon? It's there, all right? This person represents you and me. There was a time when we didn't know Christ. We were nothing. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We, we, we had nothing, right? But then what happened? Well, when you heard the gospel, when you were immersed into Christ, when you had accepted the good news, what did God do? God filled you with his spirit, right? God filled you. Yeah, feels good, doesn't it? Feels good, there we are. Now, do you stop? I've been baptized. I'm good. I'm golden now. Is that, is that how this works? No, no, no. You keep learning, don't you? You keep growing in the faith. <clears throat> Suddenly, it starts to feel really, really good. The blessings of Christ, the fellowship that you have, the wonderful time with brothers and sisters, and you just thank God so much for what he's been doing, how he's been changing your life. And you know what God's response often is going to be? Well, what it is always, in my experience, going to be, God is going to continue to pour more and more into you. Now, you don't want to be rude, and as a good Christian, you know you can't say it that way because it would be wrong, so you kind of say, uh, God... I'm so full. Thank you. This is good. This is, this is great. Wink, wink. I, 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 you don't want to say you've had enough too much or anything, right? That wouldn't be the Christian thing to say. But there's a sense in which you're kind of like, God, this, I'm about to burst. This is wonderful. And you know what God's going to continue to do in your life? You know what he's going to continue to do? Oh, 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 oh.
He's not going to stop. But, 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 this keeps going. I'm going to burst. This isn't going to end well for me. He's not going to stop. Because you were never, ever meant to keep it. This wasn't meant for only you, was it? Yes, if we kept going, there you probably would quit. You would. Some people do. Some people do walk away from the faith. They burn out. They, they get sick of it, whatever. They tire out, right? Right? Because they kept absorbing it all for themselves. But I wanted you to see something. Yes, I'm tempted to pop this, but no, I don't plan on doing that to you, okay? But I want you to see something before you walk away. When you take and take and get blessed by God, but you don't put others first, you don't give, you, my friend, get a big head. You really do. Don't get a big head. Put others first. Would you all stand with me? Before we're dismissed, let's pray together. Father, we really are blessed by you all the time. And that's even the stuff that we can see. There are many things that we don't see that you're doing for us. And we want to thank you for that. So God, help us not to be selfish with the blessings that we have, especially the blessing of the gospel. I pray that you would help us to live out the heartbeat of your son the heartbeat of this great message that you so love the world. And that's why you sent your son. Help us to share the good news. Help us to serve others rather than ourselves. I pray that you would bring to mind the opportunity this week and that it would encourage us to do even more. I pray in your son's name. Thanks again for tuning in to the Brevard Christian Church Podcast. We pray you are encouraged and blessed. And until next time, grace and peace to you.